everyone, this is Adam from the Crypto Basic Podcast, and you're here for another one of our 101 series of episodes where we break down how a project works from the ground up. Today, we'll, we decided to do something a little different. Uh, we're actually doing the Decred 101, and we're going to have Richard Red on the show, who's a part of the team. Well, he's he's kind of a part of the team, but you'll find more about that in the episode and that's episode 180 of the Crypto Basic podcast. Enjoy it. It's a good one. Decred is like, it's pretty low drama. Cool. <laughs> Which if you're, if you're looking for like drama and entertainment, it's not the most like entertaining <laughs> project in that respect. But this is not your Game of Thrones replacement for the week, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Right. Welcome to our first attempt at a 101 series with somebody on the team. Basically, I realized we're idiots, so here we are. We decided to go to the source. And today we're talking about Decred. And we have Richard Red, who is which is a pseudonym I figured out as we started this call. And he is uh, the research and strategy-ish something with Decred. So why don't you give the listeners kind of a quick version of who you are, what you do with Decred, and then we'll jump into the project. Yeah, so I, I work on research and some degree of strategy, and it could be a list of any number of things, really. like I basically just help out wherever I see uh, a gap, something that needs doing for the project, uh, something somewhere I can be useful, bring my sort of skills to bear. That's more or less what I do. For the purposes of the website, I thought research and strategy was a pretty good way to sum it up, but it spans a whole range of things from, I've written a fair bit of the documentation and I do reporting on the project. I do like a Politea Digest, which is like a, a weekly or bi-weekly newsletter. I contribute to the Decred Journal. Um, I've done some like testing and, and given some feedback about Politea and stuff like that. So for the listeners who are like, wait, why couldn't he just say he was the, the CEO of the <laughs> chief of research and strategy? We're going to get into that. But basically, Decred is one of the projects that's run with a DAO. So titles and specific things like that don't necessarily exist for most of the people that work on the project. Yeah, we don't really like we don't really have titles. Um, we can sort of make up titles that make sense <laughs> when they're needed, but it's like nobody really goes by them or, or uses them for much of anything. Yeah, that's um, I like it. I love everything about DAOs. Most of my own personal investment portfolio in crypto is targeted towards DAOs. I want to let the listeners know that one, this is not a sponsored episode. You did not pay us anything to get on here, and nor did the DAO. And two, I don't own any decred at this point, so it's important for me to mention my biases if I were to have them. So. Can you give us the quick elevator pitch of what the Decred project is, what they're trying to accomplish? Yeah, I can indeed. Um, I'm actually going to read it out because we went over this as a, a community like not so long ago, and we all agreed on a, a good elevator pitch. So here it is. Oh, cool. Decred is a community-driven digital currency designed to be a superior store of value for generations to come. Its transparent governance system and unique hybrid proof-of-work, proof-of-stake consensus mechanism make it adaptable, self-sustaining, and ultra-secure. Decred empowers everyone involved to collectively determine the rules and budget. That's it. 
that's pretty cool so i am a governance nut when it comes to these different projects which is why i'm so excited to learn about decred and how everything works and all the functionality and also it i don't understand why i haven't looked it up i'm sometimes (laughs) i get to this point where i'm like ah there's so much to look into i don't know if i want to look into it and i should have looked into it because obviously during our bear market it might have been a really good choice to (laughs) <laughs> to, to invest in something like this i don't know i don't know how they've been doing but it's um, been uh it's been holding like holding pretty steady holding pretty well but yeah cool. it's it's obviously not been a, a great time for a lot of the altcoins yeah i mean we don't we're in this interesting spot on the show where we don't really talk about prices which mm-hmm. i know is what a lot of people want to hear they want to hear ah there's like a triangle that we can draw on this <laughs> chart and all of a sudden you should buy this coin because you know shapes but we don't really we try to get to the fundamentals of everything so that's what these 101 episodes are all about and we always start with like the history of the project so you know that it's kind of where if anything interesting happened if the ico was particularly special was it a fork from another project originally where where did decred kind of start all right so first things first there was no ico um good decred started well, it started about three years ago in February 2016, but its its story goes back a few years before that. It was started by a group of developers. Uh, they're called Company Zero. Or they, they changed their, their name to Company Zero. Before Decred, they developed a Bitcoin full node implementation, BTCD. And through their experience of doing that for a couple of years, they observed um, a number of significant problems with the Bitcoin ecosystem. Um, they didn't really like how the governance of the Bitcoin like protocol was happening. They felt that they were, uh, to some degree, frozen out by the developers of the Bitcoin Core implementation for for the full nodes. Um, they perceived a, a deficit in terms of funding for development of the software that Bitcoin needed. So it's basically relying on donations or corporate sponsorship or people already being independently wealthy to be able to contribute. So, well, we get to decred in a minute, but that's, they've resolved that by adding a, a 10% of the block reward treasury into decred. And the third problem that they had with Bitcoin or the third issue they perceived was that proof of work miners have too much power. So they wanted to build uh, a project that was like Bitcoin and served a lot of the same purposes, but resolved these issues. And the way that they did that was to add a proof of stake component in a, a sort of hybrid mm-hmm. with the, the proof of work. So proof of work does the same same things it does for Bitcoin. Um, the proof of stake then is added in to add uh, governance. So, well, firstly, it diminishes the power of the proof of work miners because Every block calls five proof-of-stake voters randomly out of a pool of about 41,000. And those specific tickets, at least three of them have to respond and have to vote yes on that block for the for the miners to get their reward. So it gives the proof-of-stake voters, explicitly gives them power over the miners and they basically get to decide what counts as appropriate minor behavior. And if they don't like something that the miners are doing, then they can vote to withdraw their, their block rewards. You mentioned something interesting. I want to stop you real quick. Yeah. But you said the, the incentive to develop Bitcoin was not there and you'd, they'd be operating in a deficit. I couldn't agree with you more on that because we're kind of in a spot where because Bitcoin's gone up, 
for such a long period of time up until like last year that it kind of was funding itself because the mm-hmm. the coins were just becoming worth so much more but in a spot where you're looking at a bear market or even just like very slowly increasing value the incentive to develop on the bitcoin network needs to be gaining more control over the bitcoin network that's why you have like blockstream spending so much money developing something like the lightning network because it's in their best interest to develop something like that and have bitcoin wrapped around it so it's not surprising that bitcoin went in those directions with segwit and lightning network and that kind of thing rather than try to push something through a deadlocked governance and it it just it was something that hadn't really crossed my mind necessarily until you said it yeah it's like well it's something that occurred to me like quite a long time ago when I first learned about Bitcoin is like, well, what's the incentive for the people that are actually developing the software? And I couldn't really find a, an answer that I liked apart from maybe that some developers who really liked it bought some coins and the coins went up in value. So now they, right. they don't need to worry about money and they can spend their time on Bitcoin. But that's not really a, I don't think it's a long-term uh funding model because it's just not is it like you can't uh people coming into it now like do they have to bring enough money to like buy bitcoin and then uh, self-sustain or how does that work i don't know yeah but what i like about decred is that there's a very clear answer to how it works there's money to develop this project and people who want to contribute can get paid to do so so was it a fork of either like Dash or, or one of the other kind of hybrid models? No, it's it's um, it started as a... So it's like a software fork of BTCD because that's what the developers... That's what they'd already built. So they didn't throw okay. away what they already built. They just switched over to, to build on the all the proof of stake aspects. And then with those, it became Decred. It launched with its own Genesis block from scratch uh, we're talking about the history of the project now, so I, I should say that the at the very beginning there was a pre-mine of coins. There's a four percent of the the total supply went to the developers, and four percent went in an airdrop to anybody who signed up. There was a, a thread on Bitcoin Talk forum, and about three thousand people signed up and for a free airdrop, and they each got. 282 decred coins whenever it launched. So that's another kind of interesting thing about the the pre-mine for developers is that they actually, they worked out the price of or the equivalent like dollar price of the coins for that they received because they took the costs that they had in terms of bringing the network up, like developing the software, getting it to a point where it's ready to launch. And then they basically said like, well, for the cost of that work and 4% of the coins, like what does that work out at? It worked out at about 50 cents per decred coin. So you could say that they effectively uh, bought those coins at the beginning for 50 cents a piece. Interesting. What, what, what is the price today? I, did, I didn't even look. I should look like I'm so bad at price. Wow. There you go. Good, good job. Good, good call. I love that the pre mine that was given to the developers was equaled to the community. Yeah, I, I like that. I think you see that a lot. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And like the, like it was an airdrop as well. That was pretty nice. They did that because with the proof of stake component, like they needed the coins to be like fairly reasonable. Like they needed people to have them at the beginning because mm-hmm. unless people have coins that they can use to buy tickets, which is how the proof of stake system works, then there weren't going to be anybody like there was not going to be nobody that could vote on the block so it, was, it wasn't going to work unless there was already a, a decent chunk of, of decred out and, out and around there was there any kind of like uh qualification did they have to have a certain 
amount of processing power on their computer or anything like that to sign up? Or was it just anybody who was interested in the project was sharing in the airdrop? It was just anybody, yeah. They did like some uh, screening to try and prevent people from use, like signing up multiple times with like different mm-hmm. email addresses and stuff. But like it was really just anybody who was interested. Uh, yeah, that's really cool. Okay. Was there any like drama or a lot of these projects had crazy things happen at the beginning of them as they're trying to get their footing? I didn't look anything up, so I'm not trying to pull anything specific out here if there was, but was there any sort of like. Yeah, the project almost failed here, here, or here, or we had this founder leave or anything like that? No, like, um, not really, no. Decred is like, it's pretty low drama. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Which if you're if you're looking for like drama and entertainment, it's not the most like entertaining <laughs> project in that respect. But This is not your Game of Thrones replacement for the week, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. You <laughs> look elsewhere. Yeah. You can find that here. All right. So that kind of brings us up to present day, more or less. I mean, we're going to go into all the different things about why it works and how it works but as far as like the history it was was it started anonymously or is there a person who started the project it was started by a group of founders some of them are pseudonymous um like taco time was involved in uh, like if you've heard of taco time so they're pseudonymous uh someone called ingsoc is also pseudonymous but everyone else is like all of the company zero developers are like they use their real names and stuff so company so if you if you're interested in looking at who started the project you can look up company zero all right so that's that's good i think that's good enough for the history we did a good job there the next little section is kind of a joke that where we do the rapid fire on the show (laughs) so we're gonna do that i'm gonna do it with you i'm just gonna ask these questions and then you can give me the quick response they're they're pretty easy is it a coin a token or a platform or something else it's a coin okay and we've already answered this one proof of work proof of stake or something else Hybrid proof of work and proof of stake. Yep. And this is kind of a dumb question for Decred because, again, we've already answered it, but the mainnet is live, I assume. <laughs> yeah, it has been for three years and a few months. Would you consider it fully decentralized? Yeah, like that's a fully decentralized. Is I think it's very well decentralized compared to a lot of other projects, compared to most projects, because it's got the... So like the mining, it's with mining pools, like there, there are a few dominant pools, similar story to Bitcoin, but the proof of stake is pretty well decentralized. Like the coins have been circulating for a few years. There's like 40,900 tickets that have to vote. Those are pretty well, like those are all held by individuals. Uh, well, that's pretty reasonable decentralization, I think. It's got a low-ish, like... I haven't looked at the uh, calculator myself, but I've seen it said that um, it's got one of the lower like Gini coefficients. So it's relatively like equal the distribution compared to other coins. Like it's the kind of top holders don't hold as much as like relative to other projects, um, which with the proof of stake system, like uh, counts when you consider how decentralized it is, because the evidence is that there are no like massive holders that like there's nobody that has like half the coins like so they have like half the tickets half the votes that doesn't exist like there's uh the large holders have much lower relative like shares than they do for other projects okay well that's always good to hear the rich list is something we look at when we talk about that particular thing and see and see how much power a small number of individuals would have over a network yeah it's good to good to look at that for sure 
and we're going to get into the to the governance. I, I'm like I said, I'm super excited about that part. Mm-hmm. That's going to be probably my favorite part of the entire interview. So stay tuned for that. That's in two sections. But for now, we're on to the most important question of all of the rapid fire questions. Do you think it sounds cool? Yeah, I think it sounds really cool because it's got this kind of like self-sustaining aspect to it. That's the thing I like about it. The fact that it's it's funding its own development, it's funding its own proof of work. It's like rewarding the the voters for taking interest in the project and actually like thinking about it, making good decisions. They have skin in the game because their coins are all locked uh when they buy tickets. So they they're kind of uh in it for the the medium to long term like by definition. When you put all of that together, it's I'm not sure exactly how to describe it, but it's like a like a, it's got its own kind of engine built in, and it's going to be like driving itself forward for a long time. So, I, what does decred mean? So, to me, when I if I'm answering this question, if I was on in your position as a researcher, I would say it doesn't sound cool because decred. I don't know what it means. It sounds almost like a negative term if I'm just <laughs> taking it in a vacuum. And, you know, where if you're looking at something like, I don't know, nano, it kind of works as in like the coins are re- or the transaction fees are super tiny, I guess, or something. So does Decred mean something that I'm missing? Yeah, it means or? Uh, decentralized credits. Oh, okay. So okay. Like that makes sense. Credits <laughs> as in like Star Wars. Right. Every credits. sci-fi novel ever. Yeah, they're yeah, always yeah. like, hey, give Email me some credits. credits. Yeah. um decentralized like that's the aim of the game that's that's what it's all about okay good so yeah that's what when i when i read that just like the first time i ever looked at it whenever you're making your stupid judge a book by its cover Mm -hmm. thoughts on a coin that didn't pop out at me but now that you say that that kind of makes perfect sense this comes up from time to time there have been a a few times that people have suggested like renaming it because the like yeah your sort of take on the name is is not unique (laughs) Yeah, I, I would imagine that, which is why we include that. It's like, because mm. we know that whichever one of these projects we think will be ubiquitous or, or at least close to it, we know that the person who's sitting on their couch who doesn't know anything about crypto but has to use it needs to kind of get it when they see it. So Bitcoin makes sense. You know, they're okay. It's, you know, it works off bits and it's a coin. Cool. Litecoin makes sense if you know what Bitcoin is. But Neo doesn't make a whole lot of sense. How does that tell me anything about what that coin is? Maybe so. Anshares is better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know that Anshares is any better. But so I definitely like it. And it looks cool. Like the Neo logo looks cool at least. But anyway, we're not talking about Neo. Sorry. <laughs> so this is... All right, let's get into the real meat of the episode. We want to learn about the entire ecosystem. Now, in this coin, normally we keep the governance separate I don't know that that's possible. I don't know that we can talk about the features and structures of the Decry project without discussing the governance and how it works. So I'll kind of leave that up to you. Yeah. And I'm going to try to ask as many questions as I can to, to clarify this stuff. I think a good place to start is the proof of work versus proof of stake situation. Yeah. Getting a little bit more specific on that. And then also... Is there any privacy aspect to it? Those together might be helpful. Right. Yeah, like I agree. Like it's it doesn't make a lot of sense to keep the governance completely out of it. You can't really describe the structure without talking about the tickets and proof of stake. So to start with, I, it helps me to start with the the kind of block reward. So um, Decred's block reward, sixty percent of it goes to the proof of work miners. Like I said before, like the same same role as Bitcoin essentially. 
Um, 30% of the block award goes to proof-of-stake voters. And those are people who time-lock some DCR in exchange for one or more tickets. There are around 41,000 tickets at any point in time, live tickets, because that's the, the sort of target size for the ticket pool. So there's an algorithm that uh, changes the price of an individual ticket. The price goes up if there are more than the target number of tickets. Um, if there are fewer than the target number of tickets, then the price goes down to incentivize like people to, to buy more tickets. So it, it's always striving for 40,960, I think, uh, tickets in the live ticket pool. And so yeah. let me stop you real quick. What is a good explanation for what a ticket is? Is that a separate form of currency or is that used for the voting? Yeah, it's just used for voting. It's that's, that's its entire purpose. So okay. the, uh, yeah. So they're literally buying votes. Yeah. Like the, more or less. yeah, a ticket is like the, so how it works is you buy a ticket. Once that matures after around a day or so it's in the live ticket pool. And then, as I mentioned before, every block uh, that's produced by miners, based on the, the hash of the, the previous block, five tickets are randomly selected. And the block can't uh, exist. It won't be recognized as a valid block until at least three of those tickets have responded and voted yes or no to the, the contents of the previous block. So it's the, basically every block... There are five tickets being called randomly from the pool, and they each vote on like to approve the previous block. And if they approve the previous block, then all the transactions stay, the miners get their rewards, everything goes on as, as normal. If they were to reject the previous block, then all of its regular transactions would be sort of rejected and the block would be, I guess, emptied, if you like, apart from the, the ticket related transactions so the ticket voters would still get their reward even though they sort of nuked the block so they can pretty much turn like a setting on on whatever their software is it says yeah we're approving blocks or in in the case that maybe there was a reorg attack happening exactly they switch to no yeah so there's a there's a default policy that unless people have changed it all the voters are, are voting on this policy which is that if the, the block you're being asked to vote on uh, would cause a, a reorg of more than six blocks, then you don't vote you do, you, you vote no for that. Or you, I think you basically just blank that. You just ignore those. Anybody who tries to make a, a block that would fork the chain like more than six blocks ago in, in history, according to like the current state as, as your node sees it, those blocks are just not going to get voted on. So if they don't get voted on, then they won't be uh, accepted by nodes. They just won't feature in the, the blockchain at all. So what would happen Something like to that if possibly ever orphaned a block that was legitimate and then the tra the transactions kind of didn't happen in, would that accidentally cause a double spend or what would happen in that scenario? Um, I, so Or could it happen? I don't know. It couldn't cause a double spend, no. Um, what would, like, so... So far, like the nobody, as far as I know, like there's no on the mainnet. There's never been a block rejected by the ticket voters because the miners have never okay. done anything to warrant that. And nobody's ever tried to attack the network yeah. because they see this and they're like, "Ah, screw that! I'm not going to try. I'm going to go attack. I don't know ETC or something." There are much softer targets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We we say this all the time on the show. When we're, when we're talking about security, mm. we're like, guys, you, you don't need to be a hacker yourself to stop yourself from being hacked. 
just don't make yourself the low hanging fruit and they're not going to target you. You know, it, once you've got two factor authentication, once you've got all of these little tweaks in place, they're going to go for the people who don't have that, that are using password one for all their passwords. <laughs> yeah. So. so that's one of the, one of the reasons for the, the proof of stake system is it's been designed in a way to maximize the benefit that it brings for the security of the network. So a couple of like contributors have worked it out to be like roughly 20 times more expensive than a pure proof of work uh, currency to attack with a majority attack because of, like it's really hard to estimate that because when you get into the the detail of it basically like to, for someone to execute an, an attack like that with the with the hash rate they would need to to basically control half the tickets in the live pool to be able to do it with 51% of the hash power. Right, with any sort of certainty. Yes. So then, like, that's... Well, it's obviously never happened, but there's a limited number of tickets available in each block. And basically, if someone was trying to acquire, like, a huge chunk of tickets to execute an attack, they would pretty much be guaranteed to cause the price to go, like, massively up in the in the meantime and they probably wouldn't be able to buy too many tickets before it became like prohibitively expensive so when they buy the tickets they lock up the money yeah. for how long so um it's because the tickets are called to vote randomly it you can't really know for sure the way it works is that on average uh, a ticket will be called after around 28 days but, okay so the money's only released when you get picked yeah uh, but there's okay. a there's a timeout on it. Like after about four months, there's a there's like an expiry time on it. So if you're unlucky, happens I think around zero point five percent of the time where your ticket won't be called for like four months. And in that case, your ticket expires and you can revoke it and get your decred back that you used to buy it with. Okay, so let's say I was an attacker and I bought a bunch of tickets and the network notices that I'm doing some sort of an attack, would they then be able to have any sort of a mechanism in place to take the locked up money? I know some um, some of the projects or coins will have a negative incentive for what when somebody is acting in like a bad way. So it, would that be forfeit if they noticed you were doing a reorg of some kind? There's no, there's no way to do that. There's, it, it's, Basically, the when you lock the coins, like you're the only person who can unlock them. There's no way for somebody to take your your lock coins from your ticket. Uh, that's not okay. Possible. So it's strictly a skin in the game incentive for you to vote correctly when it comes up. Yeah, the idea <clears throat> is that because your DCR is is locked for potentially like four months, that you won't uh, like the, it's to stop people from buying like ten thousand tickets today and like voting on something like crazy that's going to destroy the network and then selling all the dcr like like as soon as it goes through just kind of like dumping it, it all it's the lockup time is is so that it's not possible to do anything like that once you buy the ticket you're committed until it votes which is yeah potentially up to four months so the idea is that you have a skin in the game you have an incentive to to try and make good decisions because like if you do something stupid that hurts the price, then you're going to like pay for that along with everybody else. Which is one of the things that I love about any of the projects that use like, like DAOs, like we haven't gotten into that, which I'm sure they're, we're going to, but they're the, the incentive is we need to keep 
the coin functioning well, we need to keep it getting more adoption because the price will go up if we make good decisions. And that is kind of, you know, that doesn't exist on necessarily some of the other networks because the good decision could be we just need to get the Ethereum foundation to give us money for developing a project. We don't really care if it's a good project or not. And, you know, that kind of thing, which I don't know that we see that very often, but it's it's a thought in game theory. You always have to think about all the different ways that somebody can exploit a system. And it sounds like it sounds like so far Decred's doing a good job of that. So so we've covered the the reward for the tickets and we've covered the reward for the miners, mm. which leaves some left over. Right? Yep. That's the 10 percent for the, the treasury that funds like work on the project. So that's basically the like I'm a I'm a contributor, a contractor. I get paid for some work that I do on the project. That's where the the decreds that I get paid and all the other contractors get paid. That's where it comes from. So let's say we were a little crypto podcast and we wanted to submit something to the decred DAO and say, hey, we're gonna have a 101 episode on your coin. Let's uh, can we get some pay? How would we go about doing that? Okay, this... We're not going to. <laughs> it's a bit. You left it a bit late. <laughs> yeah. Um, the there's a a proposals system called Politea, which you can submit a proposal there. It's the proposals are. It's basically off chain. The voting is like off chain. It doesn't happen on the chain, but it it relates to the chain in that only people with live tickets can can vote on those proposals. So. You make a proposal there and it gets discussed for a while uh, and then it goes up for a vote. And if it gets 60% or more yes votes, then it gives signals the okay for that uh, project to get funded. And then uh, you go ahead and, and do the work and then you submit like a an invoice effectively for payment. And then that gets processed and you get paid. That's pretty cool. So, is the is the 60% static or does that change? That's uh, static, like, definitely. So far, like, that's been 60% for everything. It's like a, a kind of smallish supermajority. So, that it's so that we, do, we don't make kind of like really marginal decisions to like fund things. And then they might get rolled back like pretty easily if, if people change their mind. But it's, yeah. Right. It's just to have a bit of a, a supermajority. So, there's another like, I think I should mention it now probably because uh, we might forget about it otherwise. There's another kind of like governance that the tickets are involved in, another kind of voting. There's actually three kinds. Okay. So there's the the block voting, which I talked about before. That's kind of the, the foundation of it, voting on the previous block. There's the Politea voting, which we talked about, which is about how to spend the, the treasury uh, decred. But there's also on-chain voting uh, to approve changes to the consensus rules of the network. So... It's got a like it's built into the network that the only way you can change the consensus rules is to follow a particular process where you release a new version of the software uh, that contains the new like rules embedded in the code, but it's it's latent, it's not activated, and then all of the the miners and and voters on the network they have to like voluntarily upgrade to that uh, new version of the software. And when enough of them upgrade, that'll trigger a, a vote on chain, which lasts for about one month, where in every block, like the five tickets that are called, um, they also like they can vote additionally on whether or not to approve this change to the consensus rules. So that actually that has a 75 percent uh, supermajority requirement on that one. So Ooh. you basically you can't change the consensus rules unless you have the overwhelming 
support of the the voters that have locked their decred to get tickets so from a game theory perspective i'm always scared when the requirement is that high i i can't remember which coin we were just discussing but they had an 80 percent requirement they did something very similar it it might have been tezos yeah where they they basically run the test net for a period of time and then they need 80 percent to say yes to go forward yeah. I can't get 80% of people to agree on anything in my life. I mean, I could, you tell people the earth is round and you, it's damn near, like, how are you going to get, <laughs> anyway, the, the, um, I've, the earth is round was a bad example, but there are definitely some very like global warming or climate change, for instance, very provable scientific fact, but you cannot get somebody to admit it because, uh, reasons, right? So when you have something like a contentious upgrade, mm. For instance, like with Bitcoin, which the bigger block sizes led to Bitcoin Cash. But you were looking at even if you factor in all of the political machinations of oh, all of the community wanted Bitcoin Cash, but like the core developers wanted Bitcoin regular, blah, blah, blah. I don't think they would have had anywhere near 80 percent in either direction for that ever. So it just would have been kind of stagnant. Is there any sort of like method in place or like a quorum requirement or anything like that to offset if you couldn't get to 75%? Um, the kind of quorum requirement on, on the on-chain votes is pretty low, actually. It's only like 10% of the tickets actually need to vote yes or no for the vote to be considered valid. But Which makes sense because it's hard to get people to vote yeah, even when they have an incentive. Yeah, it's it's actually been pretty decent um, so far. It's been like 60 or 70% on average for the on-chain votes, uh, people voting. Like, they vote yes. <laughs> it's It's been okay. pretty rare for people to vote no because with the consensus rules changes, like it's the reason the requirement is set high is, is because I think the rationale is that you shouldn't be making a, a change to the consensus rules unless it has like really broad support from the ecosystem as a as a whole. You don't really want to be changing the consensus rules with like a slight majority. I think the the idea is that it's um, it makes it so that you have a way to know if there is this broad support for the change you're proposing, but you need you need that support you have to like there's a way there to know whether you have it or not but and that's the important thing i would say because with the the bitcoin and bitcoin cash um example that you gave like i i, I have no idea like what bitcoin like holders wanted to happen with that this like not a clue <laughs> right there's, yeah they like it's been uh, there's obviously like a lot of uh, debate and discussion about it for quite a long time but a lot of the the mechanisms that are used to sort of signal like the the nodes like the social media posts like it's all very gameable if you if you wanted to try and like astroturf it a bit like it's quite doable yep so for me like the main thing is that there is this civil resistant like mechanism whereby the holders can decide if they want the change or not and yeah 75% is quite high i agree but the idea is that once you sign up to like decred and like they shouldn't just go like changing the rules on you like for like without your consent it, it needs to have the like at the same time like as an individual holder you shouldn't be able to prevent everyone else from changing the rules like but there's a balance there somewhere and in decred's case it's been set at the the 75 percent rate and the miners basically get no say their only incentive to participate is their mining reward yeah yeah that if if they want to like keep some of their mining reward and like stake it for uh, tickets, then then they get a say. Like, and they're getting like 60% of it. So it's quite possible that they do like 
buy some tickets and, and get a say. But yeah, just just being a miner doesn't entitle you to any say in in the network's future. Right. Well, and and if they and if they want it, they can grab it, which I kind of like. And the way the algorithm that you mentioned made me think about Bitcoin's hashing algorithm. Like eventually, it gets much harder yeah. to to mine Bitcoin because they want it to come out at a certain pace. Mm-hmm. So it seems similar, right, on the ticket side. Yeah, I think it's it's broadly like similar kind of principles. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. I want to jump back to the DAO. I know we're jumping around a little bit, but how much does it cost to submit a proposal to the to the community on the on the DAO for Decred? It costs 0.1 DCR, which is a couple of bucks at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that. Yeah, that's like that's like $2. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> we screwed up. We should have definitely submitted this. <laughs> you know, that I know Dash, it costs like I, the last time I looked. I mean, we Dash was the first coin we, we ever recorded a show for. It was awful. Don't go listen to it. <laughs> we, we just sat down. And we're like, all right, we're doing this podcast. Let's record. What coin do we know the most? And it happened to be Dash at the time. We didn't release it first. By the time we released it, we're like even much better at podcasts it was like our sixth or seventh released episode and we had to apologize even then <laughs> so 180 episodes in i don't even want to know how bad that sounds if you go back and listen to it but uh we at the time it was hundreds of dollars to submit a proposal yeah, it's gone up to we, like five thousand because it's five dash yeah, so yeah. like the price at a thousand i think for one dash so that would have been costing people five thousand dollars to submit a proposal which is crazy yeah it's i think it's, if you get it declined yeah it's it's I think it's way too high. Like from, I, I looked at Dash like before I looked at Decred. I think, and one, it struck me that like, wow, like this is an interesting system. I like that that people can propose things and it gets voted on and they might get funded. But five, like, <laughs> like several thousand dollars to submit a proposal is just like way too much for for me personally. Yeah. Uh, it'll stop the troll votes or the troll proposals i guess so yeah do you get a lot of those well like no not really uh but so that brings me on to like uh i really like polite is an interesting platform and it's this is part of the the reason why it's because it has a so with dash like one of the reasons the the fee is so high is because there's no filter on those like nobody can censor your your dash treasury proposal so okay. any, anybody that pays the five dash can make the proposal. I've seen proposals put in which were like basically just uh, criticizing the <laughs> the other master nodes or something. Like um, yeah, there was one that get rid of yeah, the CEO. Yeah, I remember. That's right. Yeah. So um, yeah, Decred has a. There are administrators of Politea and they can censor proposals. And I believe at this point, I think two proposals have been censored. The reason, like Politea took quite a long time to to come out is that it's built on this principle of transparent censorship. So when you submit a proposal, you get what's called a censorship token. All of the the Politea accounts have a private and public uh, key, cryptographic key. And Mm -hmm. the, the censorship token that you get when you submit a proposal allows you to demonstrate to anyone that you submitted it at a particular point in time so if it gets censored by the admins, then you have some sort of recourse there. You can show the community that, hey, I submitted this proposal in good faith. Like it's, a, I think it's a solid proposal and that you should be allowed to vote on it. But the administrators have said like, no, they've just kind of uh, censored it. That's that's open to you as a as a proposal submitter in the case where because that like that's the problem with censorship, right? Is that it might be fine to say that only like decent proposals get through, but when it's subjective, like, or when, when it's like not transparent, then 
it's open to abuse by the administrators because they could censor things that they don't personally like, that they don't like the direction it would represent. They could censor it for that reason. And unless you can like show people that you submitted the proposal, then it's kind of your word against theirs, whether you actually did or not. So that, yeah, it's a yeah, bit of a... I, I was just sorry. about to say, that seemed like a point of centralization, and you answered my concern before I even brought it up. It, look no further than the subreddit for Bitcoin yeah. or the subreddit for RBTC to see what happens when a team that has the ability to censor has gone too far and they take out actual legitimate conversations because they're against you know the the narrative in a sense so if at some point in the future there is a problem with decred let's say i don't know if this could even happen but like with dash they were saying let's get rid of the ceo they paid their thousands of dollars mm-hmm. to submit that proposal because they believed that ceo needed to go of the dash foundation or whatever they were actually the ceo of if somebody saw that and then one of the friends of the ceo happens to be the person who's deciding what what votes get to go through to the platform they can be like ah nah no this one's not accurate they now have recourse to go to the community and say this was just censored i don't think it should be and then what happens past that point can the community overturn the censor or it's just kind of like they have to put social pressure on the on the actual people that censored the issue yeah like so if it went that way I think basically the the administrators of Politeo, like you, they would only get so many of those where they they've kind of like censored something for ad reasons, and the community finds out, which they would do like every time. If that happens a few times, then people are just gonna they're just gonna make a, an alternative version of Politeo. Like it's open source, like anybody could do it. Spin oh, okay. up a, an alternative version and basically have a vote to say like we're going to switch to this new version because the administrators of the the old one are are not playing fair anymore so would that vote go through the consensus rules or would that go through the original politea it's a good question um it obviously (laughs) (laughs) obviously, uh it going through the original politea would depend on the administrators allowing it to go through right um so what's what's nice about that though is that in the end it could go directly through the consensus rules. The the consensus rules vote can do anything. Like so, if it turned out that if people lost faith entirely in the in the people that were running the the sort of politeia platform or uh, making the the payments, they could have a consensus vote to switch those uh, treasury coins over to a different address or a different key, or, and basically give the control of those to someone else. So that's. Underpinning it all is this kind of like on-chain uh, vote to change the consensus rules. Because if you can do that, then you can do just about anything. Yeah, and it looks like they've really thought through a lot of this. So when it gives the point of censorship a significantly less easy path to censoring mm. something. So I need to be certain when I say no. For I'm going to bring up this is not really an applicable example. But when I'm a fantasy football commissioner of my fantasy football league and i veto a trade that is public and i need to say why i said that trade's not okay to go through and if there is accountability rather than not being public and me saying no that post was just a shit post there was nothing in there there was nothing of substance and the person can say what do you mean there was nothing of substance it's all right here this is the substance it means that you have to be a little bit more pointed in your decisions when you're when you're doing that and ideally 
then you would make a decision in the best interest of the governance system. Yeah. So that like it's what I, what I find with with Decred as I've got to know it is that it really benefits from the the experience that the founders have had. Like the fact that they've been around, they've been Bitcoin developers of like a, a full node implementation for years before they did Bitcoin. Like they've seen all of this happening. Like they've seen uh, where the flaws are and they've tried to design Decred in a way and everything about it from like the, the protocol itself to the the way that Polite has been done. Like it's all sort of designed with uh, with experience of how it can go wrong if you don't take the right precautions. All of that sounds really cool. And full disclosure, as we're going through and listening to what you're saying about this project, and trust me, it's going to sound like I'm maybe blowing smoke <laughs> here, but I would not hesitate to shy away from telling you you were you were shilling me a shit project if it was <laughs> it's not i really feel like i'm probably going to become non-zero amount invested <laughs> into this project uh if i were and i wanted to buy one ticket do you know what the price would be approximately today in decred it's been around 110 to 120 decred for tickets recently and decred's around 20 ish 25 i think maybe but yeah that bounces around so so seeing as this was not a sponsored episode we are not i don't have enough money to buy that so <laughs> so there's a there's a group of uh people that that do split tickets now you can actually you can you can go in with other people without without giving up custody of your funds you can uh, generate a transaction with other people who want to buy a ticket and you can each uh, contribute oh. a share of that so it's a so it can be done on chain like a basically a staking pool essentially yeah, it's so it's not really a staking, but I guess it is in some ways like a staking. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I'm taking shortcuts <laughs> there because it's not really staking, yeah. but it's similar enough. No, it is I like it like is it staking. A- it's like it's it's basically um, from the network's point of view, like indistinguishable from any other ticket. It's just that all of the DCR to buy it didn't come from one address; it came from uh, however many addresses, and then it distributes the reward yeah, accordingly. That's right. It's it, it's not a polished process at the moment, but like like it's so it's kind of manual. Um, last time I, I looked at it, you had to be online at the same time as the other people who wanted to do it, and you basically had to like each uh, make your transaction within like a certain amount of time of, of each other. Uh, but but it's getting better. Like the user experience on that is getting better all the time. And there's been I think I saw people talking about it recently. I think there's been a few hundred of these uh, split tickets that have already been bought and like voted on the network. Yeah. So I wonder how would that work with an actual vote? If the are are each of their votes taken into yeah, account you, for the you consensus, really or is there one the, main? These are good questions. These are really good questions. Like, <laughs> sorry, I love yeah, this stuff. You're, you're getting right into the the meat of it, which that that is like the how to handle the voting of those tickets is the reason why it's not super easy to do it, and it's not being really prioritized by most of the developers. It's because it's pretty hard to. It's pretty hard to come up with a, a good method there. Like I mean, like so obviously I think the in principle, like what what we would like to happen is that say you put in fifty percent of the, the DCR, somebody else puts in thirty, somebody else puts in twenty, like you would have that proportion of, of chance. It would be like random who gets to vote. You could each like say how you want to vote, but it would be random like whose vote gets uh, selected. But that's it's really hard to to do that in a way which isn't gameable and which can't be manipulated uh, by. It also sounds like a lot of code yeah. to write. I mean, I can't code, so I have no idea. But that seems like a massive project 
that would need to get pushed down the line as far as priority yeah like that's it's always about priorities isn't it like i think the uh mateus who's the developer that was working mostly on this i think he probably he got it to a point where it's it's usable like people are actively using it and to take it any further would be to it would require a lot more effort and probably changes to the consensus rules if you wanted to really do it properly such that you have loads of people buying these split tickets and it doesn't open the system up to any kind of abuse because the like it's it's all it's always in in the end like it's about trying to make it harder for people to abuse the the system and to leverage their their tickets more or their dcr to like get more influence nobody wants that yep which is i think should be the primary goal of anything where something possibly adversarial is involved i mean we i was a poker manager in poker rooms for a period of time and we always had to make our rulings based on how somebody could take advantage of them the least even if they weren't the most intuitive so i see that a lot when we're looking at some of the governance and some of these some of these coins Mm -hmm. um and projects and something like cardano is actually building the staking pool into their system but they haven't done it yet you know it's it's coming where a lot of things are are coming with there so it could be really interesting to keep the barrier to entry a little bit lower but it also could be that could be bad for the consensus right now if you're looking at a barrier to entry of somewhere around 2300 us dollars then that person is more likely to pay attention to what's going on than somebody who invested 200 dollars as a portion of a pool and has just left their vote to be defaulted in some way so yeah there's always this weird balance between who should have a say over the network. Is it one person, one vote? Is it $1, one vote? Is it one coin, one vote? And I love diving into the process and seeing how it's like divvied up in the way it is now. I have a couple, one more question about the DAO and then a couple more questions about the project in general. The, the last question about the DAO is, does the treasury clear after a certain period of time or does it build like a war chest? It's been building a war chest for three years now. So it's got like... Uh, six hundred thousand DCR in it, which is that's good. I don't like I don't like the treasuries that clear. To me, that seems like uh, there like there was one called Pivx that we looked right. into, and they were constantly borrowing money from the community. They were like, "Hey guys, we need to borrow money. We'll pay you back when the when the, the treasury pays out again." And I'm like, "Wait, why, why isn't that just sitting somewhere? Yeah. If you didn't use it, just le- leave it there." It's, yeah, that's the it's it's Pivx is forked from Dash, so that's that's a feature of Dash's um, treasury. Which is like I've mm-hmm. actually written a couple of uh, articles about the Dash Treasury because I've it's got a history like it it's been going for years and you can access the history like so I did that I looked at all the proposals it's really interesting I find it really interesting but this is one of the the problems that uh, it seemed to me was that there was no way to to save up the any excess Dash in a month like if you don't have like enough good proposals that actually warrant the Dash that month. Either you just let it get burned or you have to um, just give it to projects that don't really warrant that don't it. Need yeah. it. Yeah, you would be getting a lot of just submissions for, you know, let's go sponsor a UFC fight or something that you wouldn't yeah, need. It's, it's when, the, when the price went up, like obviously, uh, like the, the purchasing power of the Dash Treasury also went up a lot and it led to some pretty wacky like, proposals like the serious sums of money being spent on sponsoring a, a youtube like series i think it was like in the mid like several million dollars worth 
So, well, actually, I think that was a good. So, it, I, I think we're talking about the right. same thing. Uh, ben yeah, Swan was sponsored one. by yeah. Dash for a period. Ben Swan is an interesting character who has been fired from the. He was fired from Fox News and CNN won't touch him, which are the two opposing news networks in the United States that have the opposite views on the political spectrum. If neither one of them would hire him and he was an experienced investigative journalist, he had no like he doesn't want to just start a YouTube channel and make like a hundred dollars a day or whatever it is. He doesn't have like that's below his pay grade almost. Not maybe not a hundred dollars a day, but hundred dollars a week or whatever. And that's below his pay grade. So they were able to sponsor him and bring him back to do his investigative research through that. And I kind of liked that. But at the same time, I don't know that it had any real direct effect on their network. I liked it because it got Ben Swan making content again. And even though he's got some real questionable stuff out there, like he he had the thing that got him fired was he started investigating Pizzagate, which was people reading anyway, reading into something. I won't get into like political stuff, but it was a. I, I respected a lot of what he had to say, but not that in particular, but I liked his approach to journalism and I wished he had more of a platform dash did drop him because they decided it wasn't worth their money. Maybe it was, maybe it was a good thing that they got to get on with him or maybe it was a bad thing. I don't know. It's like from my perspective, looking at the the proposals, it, it sounds like as like a one of an, like the kind of most extreme, but there's a, there's a whole selection of these like kind of, Proposals which dumped like huge amounts of money into promotion, like some sort of promotion for Dash, but like probably not great value for money on it. There's another one about sponsoring uh, performance, high performance aircraft, uh, like air shows and stuff. Basically, stick a Dash logo on the mm-hmm. the tail fin. It's like possibly a million dollars on that. Like it's it just seems to me that it, it didn't it didn't seem like a good way to spend money that's supposed to be funding well i don't know what dash is supposed to be funding but uh, it didn't strike me as a particularly good use of the funds but fair enough it, like it is it's cool that a cryptocurrency can do stuff like that masternodes voted they got to like fund a um youtube show with like loads of money that's it's pretty cool that this is happening but um if if they were able to save their dash which is how we got into this then perhaps they would have just uh Saved some of that up instead of like spending it on some of the more. Yeah, or been smarter about their sponsorships. You know, rather than give Ben Swan a ton of money for a month or two and then quit, maybe they give somebody similar to him less money, but still get the same result as far as adoption slash, you know, notoriety for the coin or whatever they were trying to accomplish with that. Yeah. There's another kind of interest. Like, so there's another point of differentiation, which is relevant to that between Decred and Dash. Um, the Dash, because it, like Dash's treasury is all on-chain, so when the votes are tallied and the super block uh, gets produced, it's it's basically built so that all the money goes like directly to the the owners of the successful proposals. So as as soon as the vote comes in, if your proposal was was uh, approved, then you get the Dash like straight away, which is like right. it's led to some problems like with people. Maybe some people not yeah, yeah. producing what they said. If you get a dash up front, then like it's it's not clear like what kind of like arrangement you're in in terms of like a contract because there's not really a recognized entity that you could be in a contract with. And I think it's hard to police that uh, with with the payments up front. But there's then there's a whole like kind of 
people have stepped in to act as escrow providers in the in the Dash ecosystem, which is pretty interesting. But yeah, Decred uh, Decred opts for for payments in arrears by default. So that's why why I mentioned it briefly before. You'd have a if you did your proposal like it goes up for a vote. People if it gets approved, then you basically then you do the work, then you submit an invoice, then you get paid. Can the community vote on like? this is shit it's not what you said you were going to do you're not getting paid so it's not really um it's not really within the system to have people voting on that because it's not like it's really it's a really interesting question which opens like quite a big kind of worms because so someone could submit a proposal i guess that says uh i've seen like where this person's going with their proposal and it's really bad like we should we should uh, not be paying for this, but it's not very likely. Like it's not supposed to work that way. Instead, the contractors are have a, a sustained like relationship with the project. Like almost by definition, like you kind of have to get a, or you will have to get like a clearance to become a contractor. So then you kind of like on the on the team. It's in your interest then to sort of like look out for how these uh, funded proposals are doing and and try and steer them so that they they deliver something good that people will appreciate we've had that like it's it's been quite interesting actually over the last few months to see like a a proposal come in for someone external and then it gets approved and then you have all the various like contractors then sort of uh, striking up collaborative relationships with this like new person so that they can deliver the thing that they said they were going to deliver like as well as possible and that everybody's happy with it and it's really like it's pretty interesting to to see all this stuff happening so that's my favorite thing about the mm. DAOs and the governance like that i love to watch it evolve and see how things play out because you can have theories about how people will vote or react or do anything but you don't know until they're actually doing it. So, you know, you won't know how somebody will react until somebody says, Hey, yeah, we're going to make a podcast. It's going to be a one-on-one. It's going to be great. And they release a 10 minute episode that says, yeah, I don't really know anything about this, (laughs) but uh, here's the triangles on the chart. And I'm going to talk about those. And you're like, that's not what we paid you for. What are you talking about? So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that, like how that happens. If somebody just kind of i don't for lack of a better word scams the system but it sounds like you have to have some sort of credibility before you even get approved like it sounds like the community is like you know i've never heard of this guy i'm not gonna approve him yeah i think that's probably fair to say that there's a degree of that happening yeah i think it's uh people that are are known to the community probably do have a better chance but the payment in arrears sort of makes it less necessary in a way like it, it takes the edge off that because yeah, somebody knew you could approve their proposal and in the knowledge that if they they won't be able to like flat out scam you because if they don't deliver anything they nobody's going to make the payment to them. So it it gives you a bit more freedom as like a community to say like, well, I really like like what's being proposed here. I may not know the person that's proposed it, but like we have a bit of leeway to to make sure that it gets delivered on but somebody that's familiar with the community is is probably going to get a slightly better uh, result with their proposal because people sort of know the standard of their work and they can sort of fill in the blanks and say like well this person like they've been around like they if there's any like gaps that come up or things that are don't go quite well they'll probably like handle it well I don't know like it's it's all for the, for this end of things like it's still pretty early days like we'll see how it sort of plays out 
properly over the course of years really is there somebody like a that's given a position or told there somebody like a ceo cfo or something that actually gives the final approval of this is done here's the payment so until this point there's a there's a decred holdings group which is in charge of the of the accumulated like treasury and of making payments to contractors but there's actually a proposal up at the moment it's it's being voted on right now to begin the process of decentralizing the treasury spending so that proposal is like it's got like 97 percent or something approval so it's pretty much like going to be approved and so it gets approved, then the work will be done, obviously, over, like, it's going to take time, like, maybe up to a year for this to, like, come into effect. But the way it's going to work in in the future is that the people who are managing, the, there will still be people, like, managing the the treasury and, and arranging the payments to contractors, but each month they'll prepare, like, one transaction, and that transaction will then go up for an on-chain vote so that all of the the stakeholders with the tickets have to approve like each month they have to say like yes we want this uh transaction that pays all the contractors to to go out and if if there's something that they don't like then they'll be able to reject that transaction and and ask that it be like broken up into uh smaller transactions or or the offending item the thing that they don't want to pay for like be removed and yeah it'll basically give the the stakeholders a fairly decent degree of control over the spending of the treasury, but at the same time, it's not a like if you go too far the other direction, like you can make it into a kind of popularity contest where basically all that matters is that you can get people to to vote yes on your payouts, which is right. probably not going to be a very healthy thing for the project if if it's everything's like really closely tied to the like how many stakeholders can you get to vote for you like that's not really a recipe for a a good uh, working environment. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And, and also, I like that it would be the whole transaction because it has to be pretty egregious for everybody to say, no, hold all of the payments yeah. to everybody. This is so bad <laughs> that I'm voting no here. This is, I cannot believe he drew a stick figure <laughs> and put it out as our logo or whatever the case, whatever the case may be. So that's pretty cool. I think that covers, I mean, most of the governance. I had a couple of random other questions about the, the structure of the coin. Like, is it, uh, is there a privacy option or is it just similar to Bitcoin pseudo anonymous? So at the moment, it's really similar to Bitcoin, but there is a, there's some kind of privacy, uh, that's being worked on. Um, I think there may actually be two kinds that are being worked on by different teams, but they're not, it's happening in private at the moment. Um, I think the last word is that. In the next month or two or three, the company Zero developers will put out a sort of summary of, of their take on where the privacy option should be going, like how that should be implemented. And then we'll all uh, vote on whether to, to go that direction or not. So like it's, it's been on the roadmap for a long time that there will be a privacy option in Decred. All right, and this is a little bit of, a little bit subjective, but what's your opinion on the the graphical interfaces or the usability of all of the different wallets and stuff like that? Is it is it pretty easy for somebody who's slightly tech savvy but not necessarily a coder to get involved in the community and in the voting and all that, or is it you know are, is there a lot of command line work going on or terminal no. work and it's kind of tough for somebody new? So that's a it's a good question. It's pretty easy for someone to to get involved in in buying tickets and voting and voting for themselves but there's kind of a there's sort of like two levels of that so 
you can do it through the command line tools yourself, uh, but you would probably find that you want to be running two or three wallets that can vote on your behalf so that you know that one of them is going to be online when you're called to vote and be able to respond like quickly enough before the, the next sort of block gets produced and because you can miss out on being able to vote if you don't respond quickly enough. So mm-hmm. for that reason, there's there's a bit of a, a barrier to entry in terms of like doing it all yourself. But there's a there's a kind of like lightweight option, which is uh, there's a there's a GUI wallet uh, to credit on. It's called. It's really good. Like it's it's really nice. It, it has lots of like nice things built into it. Like you can see sort of like a history of how your tickets have been doing in terms of like how long it's taken them to vote, how much like how many rewards you've earned. Uh, you can see all of the active proposals and vote through that wallet. But uh, for buying the the tickets through that wallet. It, you have to work with a, a voting service provider, it's called, which is they basically uh, maintain the infrastructure of these like geographically distributed servers that you would want to be able to respond. And you delegate the actual act of voting to them, but you tell them how you want them to vote. So, okay. like, yeah. So for the most part, it acts as if you're voting in theory, if they went if they kind of went off the rails, they, yeah. you would see it after the first exactly. time they didn't agree with or they didn't yeah. do it. So there's kind of, yeah, there's so like a like social the, contract there which says that the voter tells them how they should vote on their behalf and anybody can check that they've voted as they were instructed. And the moment any of them decided to start voting how they wanted instead of how the voters wanted, then they would lose all of their like business pretty quickly. There's like a, a small... A fee of a few percent usually that they charge for that service that is how we elect our our leaders here in the united states we uh we we pick people to go pick them <laughs> and i i remember asking in school i mean when i'm like 10 years old i'm like so what happens if they don't what happens if they just pick the other person and they're as far as i know there's no it's never happened but there's no like provision for what happens if they do that we just end up with the wrong <laughs> president because we voted for the wrong people which is crazy so the, that's a I'm, I'm glad that you can see it right there and then they would get rid of it so this is the point where we would talk about like the trade-off profile mm-hmm. we like to call it or the pros and cons if you're getting for being super basic as far as like what do you think the trade-offs are of the decred network versus say your standard bitcoin or litecoin not necessarily versus the competitors is there anything that it does less good right now versus maybe something in development or uh, you know, you're like, for instance, if I was talking about uh, Monero, I would in the beginning, I would say you're you're gaining privacy, but you're sacrificing speed, uh, which is not necessarily true anymore now that they've implemented some changes. But uh, what would that be like here? Yeah, like I'd, it's hard for me to see like how it's worse than other projects in any way. Like I can't think of any serious like con uh, to Decred, it, apart from maybe like the so. The kind of uh, philosophy that people have taken towards the project and and promoting it in particular is, I think there, there used to be some contention about like the fact that they weren't spending a lot of like the treasury funds on marketing and promoting the project. It's like that's kind of the you could say that's the that's the kind of con or the trade off is that people they're they're in the the marathon like the decred's running a marathon. It's not trying to like run a sprint. It's not trying to t- pump the price like next week, next month, right. this year. It's trying to set itself up 
to be around for like decades and and generations and um because the the holders all get a say in like how it evolves it means that the current stakeholders are kind of incentivized like you don't really want just anyone to come and like buy a bunch of decred and start staking and getting tickets because then they're going to have like influence ideally like over you would start with uh, people that are quite like kind of committed to the ideals of the project and actually care about it and actually like will uh, think quite deeply about the votes and like take it seriously and and not like try and just get the price to go up so that they can like uh, dump their bags and, and make some profit so that's i can definitely see that as something that you would see as a as, as a trade-off because you look at something like Dash, which I think started around the same time, and they've got a significantly higher market cap. And you're like, man, I wish we were we were worth that. But at the same time, you're running into problems with the community. And we've we've had that same thing on the podcast. We know that there's like black hat marketing strategies or different things that we can do to increase our reach or something. We don't do that. And also, we could be on Facebook instead of Discord, and we could be we could be interacting on there, but what we found is that because we push people to our discord, the people who make it to the discord are significantly more interesting than somebody who might just like us on Facebook and start, you know, posting troll articles or whatever in a Facebook group. Uh, it, it's like a little, it's a little filtering process or a, or I guess a funnel of some kind. So if you're not on our discord, join yeah, seriously people out there it out. do it, but uh, <laughs> it's a cool little f- feature that, uh, what you know, my co-host in the beginning, are like, why wouldn't we have a Facebook community? I'm like, no, no, no. We want this targeted community because it's better for us overall that the people who make it to us have the voice. Like, we want to put out the content that the people who are most engaged with us are interested in, in hearing. Which is how we even ended up with you on the show. I mean, Nathan Simmons is one of our primary listeners. He's always in there trying to help us out and find people. And he has a great Twitter following. And he reached out to you on there because he's part of the Decred community. And and that's how you ended up finding us. Shout out to Nathan. <laughs> yeah. Cheers. He won a he won an award. I think he won a we 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 do this like award show called the Crypties, and he won the um the award for like the most helpful team member. Or, or community member anyway so yeah i would see that as a trade-off i didn't I, I didn't ask if this was deflationary as a currency is it uh is there a, a cap number or is it just kind of there's a certain percentage per year no, it's, that it, it's 21 that it million. gives out and it, it okay, kind so of Bitcoin so cap. it it smooths out the the kind of it, it doesn't like drop the block reward in like huge steps like bitcoin it's it's a more mm-hmm. gradual transition but it's broadly like similar in terms of the the time scale which is another reason it's important to have a treasury that doesn't clear because if you're running a deflationary coin, what happens in the end when there's no more money to give out? Like there better <laughs> be a treasury that can still pay people or else, you know? So, so that's cool. And is it fast? It, like what, how, what's the transaction speed? So it's five minute block times, but um, the lightning network just went live on Decred's testnet and in principle, oh, cool. mainnet, but it's only like it's literally just like a couple of days uh, since the it needs a consensus rule change, which has just been voted through and activated. So right about now, I'm expecting to see a lot more people uh, starting to build things with Decred's Lightning Network. Okay, so that would have been an example of a trade-off. Would have been that it was kind of a slower, right. but if they're implementing Lightning Network and people actually aren't 
opposed to it and, and add it right away. Whereas in Bitcoin, you're seeing some resistance. No, those went, um, like, those those votes went through with like 99 some percent. Like <laughs> everybody with Decred yeah, tickets wants the Lightning Network. <laughs> Well, because of the governance system on Decred, they know that Blockstream isn't trying to gain control of the network yeah. by putting Lightning on there. They know that they can just get rid of it if they don't want it anymore, and it won't hurt the network. Uh, so so I guess that's why it's like that. I would say no smart contracts, if I understand yeah, it correctly. It's not. Uh, well, like the kind of like bog standard stuff, maybe like multi-sig transactions and stuff, but nothing like it's, it's not aiming to support uh, complicated smart contracts. Right, so it's nothing like a, nothing no. like Ethereum. So you're not going to have smart contracts, which would be part of the trade-off. It's not necessarily a con. Just you know, if you're using Decred, you're not yeah, playing crypto. It's not the. It's so. not trying to be like a, a platform. <laughs> it's trying to be like a money. But as far as the pros are concerned, I mean, this is this is a very decentralized project. I mean, we found a couple of the points of centralization. They have checks and balances, and even the one uh, with the payout is getting handled by the by the blockchain so that or will eventually be handled by a blockchain so that's good i always see a dao as a major major plus to a project they again almost all of the coins that i hold personally either have DAOs, are planning DAOs, they're involved in game theory in some way and then finally it's going to be reasonably fast it's going to be i like transparency i like to have the option of privacy but i don't like it to necessarily mm. be all private and uh i think it's really well thought out like the the game theory behind it seems like the team that was creating it originally was thought of all of the things that i thought of right here which i can't say for a lot of teams i mean when i a lot of these coins will come up with them and be like how did nobody think of that how would, how did nobody notice that that was going to be a problem so what people sometimes say is that there's a kind of like decred rabbit hole that people fall down which consists of this experience of like after like maybe like weeks and months of like learning more about it, you can still be thinking of like things that are really like kind of uh, niche or like esoteric, but you find that actually Decred's already been designed to make that not a problem. It's pretty cool. Yeah, which is which is super appreciated whenever we learn about a project. Uh, normally we talk about the competitors' project, but we mentioned a lot of them here over the episode. We're talking about like Dash a lot. Clearly a almost a direct competitor um any of the coins of DAOs that don't have smart contracts i think would be competitors to to an ex to an extent um is anything that i'm not thinking of like pivx uh zen maybe dash yeah. uh, what is i don't even know some of the others but. i think it's fair like it's the competition for like the monetary like crypto assets is pretty broad like there's quite a few that uh, projects that are competing in that space and However, like I personally like think that there's probably going to be a few like relative like winners, like projects that do well in the long term and coexist together. But they all are, in my view, like in that kind of space. All right. Well, then I think I think we covered it. I think this is unless there's anything else you want to say, I would say anything else you want to mention about the project. We can do that or anything you want to mention about where to find you, where to find the project, like how to follow Decred, how to get involved in Polydia, how do you subscribe to that newsletter? Anything else you want to give our audience, like now's the time. Um, yeah, you can follow me on, on Twitter and on Medium. I, I do like most of my uh, things that I write, like go on Medium. Um, they go on GitHub as well. But So if you you can follow GitHub. If you, if you want to like start uh, collaborating, 
then GitHub is probably a good place to go. I actually have a, a little open source research project funded by the Decred Treasury where there are a number of uh, open research questions where anybody that wants to or like has the, the kind of skills or enthusiasm for it can participate in that, can do some, some research work. And like, if it's, if it's good, like you can get paid from that little uh, part of the, the treasury funds. So that's possibly worth cool. a look for people that are, are interested in doing some research. Maybe you should check it out yourself. You obviously have done quite a lot of this uh, research on, on these different projects. But that doesn't mean I know how to code. No, I'm so scared to, of well, GitHub like, whenever I like, go there. You, I use it for a little bit. Like, I only do like kind of uh, R coding, which is not like, it's like stats coding. It's not proper coding. Uh, but we use it for, we use GitHub for the, the Decred journal, uh, like to collaborate on writing the document. You can use it to write a, a document, just text. It takes, there's a little bit of a learning curve, but it's really good for for any kind of collaboration where small changes matter because the the detail of like where they came from and who introduced them is is very well preserved and there's a whole kind of uh workflow that works pretty well for uh, editorial stuff so yeah it, like it's we're we're on there with the, the I'm on there with the journal and the policy digest that I contribute to yeah and I have this little research project as well that's also got a repository on there I'm trying to collect uh, answers to a set of questions. It's kind of similar to your the kind of structure you have for these calls, or the, these uh, podcasts. Is like the idea is that you ask a, a certain set of questions about different projects, and through keeping that level of like standardization, you get to some kind of rounded view. And then hopefully they do the research properly. That's what uh, that's what we try to pride ourselves on, as far as like the ones that we research ourselves is like. We don't go in. We mention biases mm. if we have them going into the sh- to the project, but then we try to ignore that and look at all sides of things. You know, I, we've covered projects that I think you know, I think <laughs> them, and but I approached it from a, you know, I, we covered Tron, we covered EOS. I don't particularly think that those projects are great for the space, but I gave them their they're due on the episodes that we covered. Yeah, I kind on, of so. like I, I do <laughs> similar. Like I so I've personally like kind of try and cover some of the projects with like voting systems, like proposal voting. So like uh, I do the occasional like Twitter thread and stuff with like, say Aragon, like I did that recently, like uh, kind of covered their, the round of like proposal voting that they had and just give like an overview. So it's similar. I think it's broadly kind of similar to what you're doing, but in a different medium, like obviously this, uh, I just use like text. <laughs> yep. Well, my typing sucks. I, when I type, I like, I never learned properly, so my hands are kind of all over the place. And mm. I always go like 10, uh, I type like 10 letters too far, and then I have to delete it all like really fast. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, I went too far. <laughs> and I have to go back. But anyway, that random anecdote. So that's it. No, the, this has been awesome. I'm glad I'm glad you're here. Uh, listeners, if you're interested in maybe getting a little bit of a uh, little bit of decred here for solving some research questions, check it out. I'm going to definitely look at it. All those links are in the show notes if you're interested. And otherwise, Thank you again for coming on the show. That w- this has been awesome. We went way <laughs> over the time we were supposed to, and I don't mind that ever. I like getting a lot of great content, so it's been awesome. Thanks very you on much the show. for for inviting me on. I've really enjoyed it. It's been fun. It's the first kind of podcast like this I've done, and I've, yeah, I've had lots of fun. 
maybe it'll set off a new a new round and you'll start emailing all the other podcasts hey i'll come on and and then crypto basic already asked me all the hard questions so i'm good we're done i that's one of my kind of issues is like the other podcasts they they miss the the stuff that i want to know that when i was when i was listening to them not that they're bad i just i realized that i ask really specific questions so i'm glad that i'm you know our community wants to hear the dumb things that i need to ask people <laughs> the so, questions today have been really good i've been impressed like you've, you've really got into the like meat of stuff like pretty fast all right well thanks for listening and of course this is not the financial <laughs> advice we are not financial advisors there's you know do your own research all investments have inherent risk all that stuff so uh, don't <laughs> sue us all right <laughs> well i guess you can't even sue richard it's not his <laughs> real name so you, you couldn't do anything if you wanted to don't sue me all right thanks everybody 